J.B. Stevens today. We were just doing a lot of talking offline like I usually do with the podcast. And I just have to hit record and we got to get going into this, man, because J.B.'s got an excellent background, a very diverse background from law enforcement to military to not just writing fiction, but writing nonfiction, poetry. And it just you give this guy a pen or a keyboard and he's writing something. Does a week, J.B., does a week go by that you're not writing something? No, I had a uh, I had an article come out today with Mystery Tribune uh, about uh, about crime fiction and and the importance of first line crime fiction. So Mystery Tribune's a, a large uh, mystery publisher. So every day something comes out. What's first line crime fiction? No, I, I said it's it's a large crime fiction publisher, Mystery oh. Tribune. Yeah, but what was your article about? Oh, oh, oh! Excuse me, the first line. So yeah. uh, I have a I have a recurring recurring column called the first line uh, with Mystery Tribune. And the format is a author sends me just the first line of their of their story, book, whatever. I, I don't care. Uh, I read it and then I, I give my thoughts kind of like uh, if you've ever read like a reviews of a wine. It's almost like that. Like this is this is this is what I got from this from this line. Then uh, the author, after I've done my thing, the author sends me, you know, some of them is this much. Some of them is this much. Uh, what their goal was with the line. And then we kind of see whether what I got from it and their goal will line up. Sometimes it's it's dead on. Uh, sometimes what I get is not at all what the author intended. So it's fun. It's kind of it's kind of like a game. Uh, the authors seem to like it. I, I I enjoy it. So yeah, it's fun. Mystery Tribune, the first line. JB Stevens. I'm gonna have to check that out, man. I love that concept. Yeah, it's, it's like, really fun. That sounds like a podcast right there like the first line and then you you talk about it then you bring the author in and then your whole conversation is about the book you know we're going to do that today about your book give, give me the first line of you know let's not even get into it yet we're not going to talk about a therapeutic death yet but we are going to talk about that first line so jb you have a, a very diverse background joining the military post 9 11 and I always equate that to like you know me. I was a I was a pre nine eleven baby. I was nineties. I was an, an enlisted guy. Got recalled back post nine eleven and did a tour in Iraq in 06. Uh, I was an infantry captain as well. Probably didn't see or do as much as you did. But the thing is, knowing after nine eleven, when you join, you're going to go to war. I always give a lot of props to people. Now, were you enlisted initially, or did you just go straight officer? No, I went. I books is the key to all this i read uh the lords of discipline and i was like oh i have to go to the citadel i have to go there so i went to the citadel uh and i was a senior private i, I tried everything i could do to be will mclean uh then i read we were soldiers once and i was like oh i have to be an infantry officer uh so so i i enrolled in the the army program uh everybody in the citadel has to do some military program and i was fortunate it's a bunch of tests it's hard to get infantry uh at rotc but i did uh, so then I was an infantry officer. That's, you know, the Citadel, the Lords of War, Lords of Discipline. Yeah, that was an excellent movie back in the day, man. I never saw the movie. I heard, I, I, I yeah, but yeah, I, the book was awesome. You are, you are a, a bibliophile. That's what they call someone who loves books, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the books. 
And I had to laugh. I was I was reading one of your your uh, interviews from before, and you said like when you got in trouble as a kid, it's not like nowadays. I take my kids, you know, computer away, their iPhone or whatever. Your dad would take your books away. Yeah, my dad owns a body shop, um, <laughs> and he didn't really get the book thing. Uh, so yeah, he would just he would just take books from me. I'd be like, Dad, I told the teacher you took my books, and they said that you're not supposed to do that. And he's like, Well, you're going to behave now, aren't you? Yeah. So then, then I behaved. Yeah. Growing up, I tell people a story all the time. Like, I, you know, we had like three or four channels on a TV, VHS, but I would just anything to do with books back then, mm-hmm. whether it be a co- huge comic book fan in the eighties. And then I was also like, you know, there was this um, author called Wade Barker back in the day, he wrote these Ninja American Ninja books, but I was so obsessed with nonfiction books that had to do with counterterrorism. So anytime I could absorb counterterrorism books, oh yeah, that's all I ever wanted to work was terrorism back in the day. And this was pre-9-11. So it's just anything to do with nonfiction. I loved it. And you know, Hackworth books back in the day, we were soldiers, everything. Especially all the alert books, long-range recon patrol guys and and everything. It's probably one of the reasons I actually went into the army initially as well. Yeah, I I read a bunch of those, uh, a bunch of those old old alert books, the old memoirs from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read quite a few of those. Did you ever read uh, the Pugilist at Rest? Uh, I don't think so. It, it it won like every award ever. It was uh, it, it's technically literary, but it was it was written by a vet, and uh, he he went to the Iowa the Iowa, Iowa writers. Anyway, he has a a story in there called uh, Break on Through about a, a long range reconnaissance patrol. It's it's my favorite short story ever. It's awesome. So yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely check that one out. Oh, it's a, so, it's, a it's a great book. So you, were you writing this whole time, like since you were a kid, like no. poetry or anything? No. So uh, I just I just loved reading and I loved books. Uh, and I kept I kept reading the books and doing the thing that was in the books. And I'd read the books and then I, I read Elmore Leonard and then it became uh, a, my current career. Um, so I just kept on doing that. And then when I was like 35, I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a dumbass. I, 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 I was the books the whole time. So. Yeah, I know nobody said I was smart. So, uh, you know, I was I was 35 and I was I was pretty deep into a law enforcement career. And that, that's what that's when I started writing. Oh, so that's awesome, man. Yeah, I didn't start writing until about four years ago. Yeah, that's oh, been about four years. Yeah. And now I love it. I love writing op-eds. I like writing anything. It could be, you know, anything. And now, you know, I'd love to write a fiction book. So right. What's the difference between you and. And having this diverse background is when you're writing a fiction book is putting that into the books. So let's talk a therapeutic death and let's talk about that first line. I want to hear it. I got, I got it. If you could figure it out, if you have the book handy. Yeah, I'm sure. Somewhere. I um, have not read the book yet. And if I'm going to, I want to key off of what I think the book is about with the first line. So it is, it is, it's a short story co- collection. Um, so the, the first, uh, oh wait, that's the, sorry, I'm going to the wrong, what's in my work email instead of my personal email. Um, it's a short story collection and, uh, there we go. It's a short story collection, uh, focused mostly on, on crime. Uh, there's a good bit of, uh, a good bit of, uh, military stuff in there as well. And a bit of comedy. Um, so I, 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 uh, one contest in fiction, uh, comedy, poetry, and uh, war poetry. 
Uh, and then I've published comedy with uh, Points and Case, which is the Second City's um, uh, digital division. So I publish comedy with some really big venues uh, as well. But but crime fiction is kind of my, my is my is my main focus. So anyway, um, the the first story in a therapeutic death is uh, called uh, "To Keep a Secret," and it's pretty short. If you want, we could do the whole story, or we could do just let's the first do line. it. Let's do the whole story. All right. So yeah, this is this is a flash fiction piece, and uh, it's called "To Keep a Secret from a Therapeutic Death." <clears throat> Keith met Barry at the Waffle House near Cherokee in Western North Carolina's Appalachian High Country. Inside, it smelled of frying bacon. Clapton's River of Tears played from hidden speakers. The two men hugged, sat, and ordered from a fleshy waitress with nicotine-stained fingers. After she left, Barry talked. You think any more about my plan? It's not the right move, Keith said. You owe me, Barry said. Yeah, but how many times do I have to pay? As many as it takes. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not either. I just need the money. You know what I'm doing for cash. I don't even like it. I hate men and I hate myself. Who likes themselves? You grow up. He sipped coffee. The grounds installed in his mouth. I can't. I'm a father, a legitimate businessman. I can't help you sell drugs. The waitress returned with the food. Barry bit the waffle, syrup dripped in dense brown globs. Like you spend any time with your kids. Barry was dope sick and Keith let the bar slide. I feel like I'm paying for your habit. I'm not helping you get better. I'm not helping you get off the smack. Fuck you for being so, so fucking normal. I can't forget what we did. I never forget, Keith said. What you did, Barry said. What I helped you do. One call to CID and you're in Leavenworth for life. War crimes, bitch. Keith breathed deep, like the VA yoga teacher taught him. His mind skipped back, his hands felt blood sticky, and he smelled the dust. But he drowned the memory with ice water. It's just... What? Barry asked. You're a junkie, Keith said. So? I want to support you, not sell your drugs, he said. I got problems. Barry started crying. Keith reached over and grabbed his shoulder. PTSD is real, man. You're the victim. It was a good line. Keith almost believed it. Fucking A, Barry said. We'll get you right. You're with me then, and I'm with you now. With you? I was following you. I saw what you did to that kid. It was a decade ago, Barry said. Maybe it's time we move on. Fuck you. Barry was the best of them. Pure soul. Keith's chest ached. He knew he was wrong. Here's the deal, Keith said. I got you a thick coat. And? And tomorrow I'm getting you a, I'm getting you a room. Tomorrow. Why tomorrow? I have to have time to get the cash. Why? Keith asked. So my ex doesn't see the credit card statement and think I'm fucking whores, Barry said. Again? Touche. Barry frowned. Are you talking shit about how I earn my money? No, I don't care that you're a prostitute. Whatever. After the hotel? After the hotel, he said. I'll get you in rehab. You're going to kick the junk, and then I'll get you off my landscaping crew. I should be leading that crew, Barry said. Not on the squad. You fucking owe me. That's why I'm hooking you up with this coat. My life depends on your silence. You're damn right. The motel's near the lake, Barry said. Meet me by the Chiwa Dam tomorrow at 2. That's in the middle of nowhere, he said. I don't want my ex or people seeing us. They're up and down those hollers. The fuck am I supposed to do tonight? That's why I got you this coat, to take care of you. He held it out. Coat was nice. Notch lapels, navy blue. 
There's cashmere in the blend. He bought in some cheesy surplus store with fortunate sum playing on repeat. The place was full of rednecks lying about their time in the shit. Keith ushered Barry into the deep blue embrace. It flowed and rippled down his reedy frame. The coat would take care of Barry. The coat was true. Barry smiled. Thanks, brother. They hugged. Barry felt like a deflated football with sticks inside. Heron was evil. Barry needed peace. Keith was ready to help him. This was the best way. Keith looked out over the Chiwa Dam, concrete, alone. The river thundered below like a kid's nightmare monster. Barry walked out of the forest, smiling. Are we good? We will be, Keith said. They hugged. Keith pushed. Barry screamed, fell off the dam and banged into the river. The splash echoed. Rabbits covered his head. The coat made swimming impossible. Keith thought of that kid bleeding in Baghdad sand and realized Barry never had a chance. Keith dropped the yuppie special fly fishing rod he'd taken from the Asheville brick prick that turned Barry out. Peace and punishment, clean. When the sheriff found the clues, it'd all be clear. Western North Carolina had so many drownings, Keith wondered if anyone would even care. Barry was just another white trash junkie vet, drowned in the middle of nowhere, strung out and alone. Relief surged and the problem was over. He did the right thing and he knew it. It was time to go home. It was his weekend with the kid. So there you go. Yeah, I don't think I could have got that from the first line because I'm I'm reading along with I have your uh your digital version here and I'm reading along with you as you're going through it. And it's dark. It's dark, but it's good. This show brought to you by Faraday Defense. Head over to shopfaradaydefense.com. The world is definitely getting interesting out there, and we know that. There are people trying to attack your electronics, trying to cipher your information out. Faraday sells some incredible products to prevent hackers, to prevent EMP pulses, to prevent all sorts of electronic intrusion. So check out shopfaradaydefense.com. Also brought to you by Health to the Rescue. Health to the Rescue right now sells Made in the USA supplements, including vitamin D, my go-to vitamin D. I take my two vitamin D a day, and I feel so much better. Check out healthtotherescue.com. Also, every bottle they sell, they give $5 to help fight human trafficking. So check out healthtotherescue.com and shop Faraday Defense. Thank you. And everybody out there, when you read this, and you know, I just I've got this crazy thing called speed reading. And I read a couple other things while I was doing it. I'm like, very intense. And I and I could see how you have your collection of memories as an officer, as a person who was in war, and as law enforcement. So you're looking at a lot of different aspects of it and putting it into short prose, which I think is perfect. I love short stories. Absolutely. And I love both short stories, nonfiction and fiction. You know, uh, uh, James Patterson put out the the book about, you know, walking my combat boots or something with Matt Eversman, mm-hmm. which is really good. It's nice, you know, short stories, but but they're nonfiction. And this one's going to be really good, man. When do we expect it to come out? Like probably at the end of the month, huh? Yeah, the the, the publisher, it, it's, it's a small shop and they're great. They're called Shotgun Honey, uh, but they had some problems. It was supposed to be on the 4th. So uh, hopefully any day now. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's war stuff in there. Um, like I said, I've wrote a lot of comedy. There's some real crazy comedy in there as well. And, uh, there's some straight war fiction as well. Uh, there's, there's, there's true stuff in there. Uh, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of stuff in that one. Um, and I do write novels as well. I have an agent and 
hopefully they'll get out with some big publisher sooner or later. We'll see. Now, how did you get into writing comedy? Um, so I, I, I absolutely love, uh, crime fiction. Crime fiction is my thing. Um, and I was reading, uh, uh, Joe Lansdale, which is, he's, he's funny, but it's, it's still dark crime. Uh, and then I started reading, uh, Carl Hyacin who gets like real, real funny. Uh, and then I started reading just some straight comedy stuff, uh, like McSweeney's website points in case. Um, and then I decided that I was gonna, I was gonna kind of combine the two. Uh, and my first, one of my first co comedy things, like, I don't think it's in this collection. Uh, it was, a. uh, uh article from the perspective of waldo and, and where's waldo and waldo has decided that uh he's he's pleading his case that he's being harassed and stalked by the people that produce the where's waldo books and he he's pleading with society to stop buying these books because they're just harassing him and he just wants to be left alone and the paparazzi paparazzi won't stop following him and he's filed you know injunctions and restraining orders and the guy who writes the book is uh is like a uh, uh, paparazzi dedicated to Waldo, just destroying Waldo's life. Uh, so that was my first, my first big comedy publication. Um, my favorite one was, was, uh, uh, one about a, a group of Mormon missionaries that moved to Miami and they're, they're doing their missionary work. And then they, uh, watch Scarface and they decide they're going to take over the Miami drug trade. So it's interspersed with, uh, quotes from the book of Mormon, uh, mixed with quotes from a rapper called chief Keith. So, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. So yeah, I love writing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading through some of these short stories and they're, they're pretty intense, man. I think this is going to be a good read. And I think you could spur off a big protagonist out of this as someone fighting their demons, whether that's yeah, drugs and, or whether it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. And my novels, my novels, uh, some, some of the characters in there are in my novels and, uh, so hopefully one day, um, if if my agent Nikki over at Hallway Literary can can pull it off, fingers crossed, uh, the the novels will be out there with a big publisher, and we'll we'll be able to read them. You know, and you won't be the first one to jump into the foray. I mean, Mark Cameron, excellent career, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mark and I talk all the time. Um, I was in I was in his uh, his book, the 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 one with uh, the Tom Clancy book with the, the the with the Chinese submarine on the cover. Um. I can't remember the name of it. It's his second to most recent one. And he made one of the code, the character's code names, Bart Stevens, my real name. Um, so yeah, I'm in that one. Uh, so yeah, Mark and I talk all the time. He's a great guy. Um, and he's given me a lot of career advice. And whenever I deal with uh, the, the lawyers in my, my day job, they always complain, Oh yeah, we remember when Mark used to do this and we thought we were done and now you're doing it. So yeah, he, he definitely blazed the trail for me. Yeah, but you know, you're not pulling, you're pulling in like, uh, just reading off the short stories here, you could tell you're playing off of a lot of on patrol stuff. You're not giving out any TTP techniques, techniques, procedures of what's going on in your, in your life. And I'm no, going to just read. I, I have to interject. Oh, sorry. Everything, everything has to get cleared by the Office of Public Affairs um, before, before it goes out. So everything has been cleared by public affairs and every contract has to get cleared by ethics. So. Anybody out there watching me, everything's done the right way. Just call DC and ask about me. You're starting to sound like me, brother. <laughs> Listen, you know, I'm not working right now. I like this. You know, uh, what is up with, I got to read this and then I'm going to ask you. The knowledge. The VFW was mostly empty. Duke side. It's never easy. 
It's a sure thing, Zeke said. Last year thing wasn't. Cops never got us. Only because Smitty was on patrol and let us slide. Knowledge of war crimes makes a great get-out-of-jail-free card. You play that one too much. Where'd you get going? Get tonight's tip, Smitty. Duke nodded. Self-storage on Benedict Arnold's drive, Zeke said. 5 p.m. Bring zip ties or your secret ends up on WikiLeaks. Duke missed the clarity of war. Smitty pulled out the heroin. ODing is like riding a summer breeze. Zeke struggled against the zip ties they held. There's like a lot of like drug lore, a lot of like the war stuff, a lot of demons going on in your characters. And are you pulling that off of, you know, basically what's going on in our world where, you know, growing up with the, the Vietnam generation, you always saw the burned out vets that they, they always pulled stories off of that. Where's your, where's your stories coming from? So I, I, I don't know how it was for you, but for some reason, when, when I got, when I got back from the war, uh, I'll, the officers in my in my unit, who I still talk to almost every day, they they seem to have have, have adapted well, uh, and, and most of the enlisted soldiers did as well. But some of them um, seem to get they they went to the VA for pain, then they got hooked on opiates, and then everything just went to shit. Uh, and so that that is the pretty much every, with the exception of one true story in there, um, I think every every fiction a uh, piece of fiction where there's a drug it's probably going to be an opiate and the the user is probably going to be a victim uh you know opiates are just they're they're just a scourge so i i like to paint opiates in a bad light um good good people that that have had uh crappy circumstances and then you know they get hooked on opiates and things just get worse you got me hooked on this damn book now i'm gonna read this when we're done <laughs> i gotta read one more and then we're going to, we, we have to sell copies of this thing. Cause I'm not going to read this whole thing. Cause I'm going, oh, okay. here we go. The hustle. Yeah. So you pick two, the 200 word stories, which are good for this. So there's 200 word to, stories. You pick I can read, them. believe me, I can read all day long. I got to work on this voiceover career of mine. And they are more than they're longer stories in this. And obviously the only reason I'm reading it is for a podcast, I, you know, the hustle. Liam was morally flexible but only in the most rigid of ways. It helped when he worked a mark. Tonight's bar, the black cat, floated like a Raymond Chandler fever dream, and the world was piss yellow. Buy you a drink? The guy wasn't handsome, but his wedding ring tan was prominent. The Rolex looked cherry and ripe and ready. JFK yammering on a tube, and the cheap motel room felt moist. The cheater snored. Liam wrote a note. Morty, you tell the cops, I tell your wife. Kisses, Liam. The pawn shop's manager said the Rolex was fake. Liam glided to the next adventure. There's a lot of uh, different sexuality going on in your your stories too, and in jumping back in history as well. Gazine, JFK yammering on a tube. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I like that one because you know, in in nowadays, if 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 you're gay, nobody cares. It's it's not. I mean, some people yeah. care, but if they care, they're an asshole. Uh, it, Whatever, whatever you you know, I don't, whatever. But back then, you know, you, it was a big deal. So uh, again, it's a it's a good person, Morty, who who is 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 attracted to men, but to do the right thing during you know the JFK time frame, he married a woman, and and he's keeping it secret. 
And then, you know, Liam's willing to exploit that. So uh, I, I thought that was fun. And I love that first line. That's, I like that first line. That's one of my favorite first lines because we were talking about first lines before. Yeah. I'm excited for your work, man. And I, you know, unfortunately, my my bad is I didn't really get to read you before you came on. Now I'm like, I have to, and I'm stuck. And it's yeah, the end of the day. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah. Let me let me know, and, and I, I can always send you more. I write far too much. You can never write far too much. Where can everybody find you? Uh, my website jb steven jb dash stevens dot com. Um. And then, you know, I'm on Twitter, I am JB Stevens. And, uh, you know, if you go to my website, I have a, a free book, just like everybody else. If you join my mailing list uh, with a couple other short stories, I think the Mormon, the Mormon missionary drug lords are in there. I think um, I love that story. Uh, there's another one uh, that's more comedy crime where uh, a guy who's very heavily influenced by my brother uh, gets in a fight with a squid at an aquarium. Um, and then the, 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 Forest Service comes and arrests him. Um, so yeah, he's covered in blue ink, and he tries to tries to say he didn't get in a fight with the squid. It's it's funny. Um, so yeah, if you go to my website, uh, you join my mailing list, and you can keep up with all my writing. Uh, I have something come out just about every month. Like we talked about before, I had that that first line column come out this month. Uh, there's always a fiction or an interview or something. Very cool, brother. I'd like to have you on the Protectors Book Club. We're re- reinvigorating that. Um, Eric Bishop and I are going to be partnered up with that and we'll be doing, you know, either bi-weekly or monthly and okay. definitely love to have you on when the book comes out for sure. And we'll be picking up a copy and supporting you everywhere we can. And JB, I really appreciate everything you're doing, man. Yeah. I think I was talking to him the other day. I think he told me he was getting back on another, cause he used to be on that other podcast. And I think he told yeah. me he was getting back on a, back on a new podcast. I didn't know it was yours. Okay. Yeah, so gonna, yeah it is, man. It's just, it's going to fit where it's only going to be like once in a while and it's going to be more along the lines of let's just, you know, chat books and talk shit live. That sounds fun. Yeah, man, you're definitely gonna have to come on. Oh, I will for sure. Uh